Uh, in 2008, I got to meet my uh, childhood hero, uh, which is, if you can see there, that's Mark Eller. Everyone knows who Mark Eller is, obviously. If you don't, go home and look up the shorts after Sir Donald Bradman. I reckon he's the, uh, the number two greatest sportsman Australia has ever produced. Mark Eller, um, there I'm with Buster and with our little Ella, who was actually named after Mark Ella, a badge of honour that she wears with pride now as a uh, 16-year-old girl, obviously. Um, but I want to ask, who's your hero? Who is your hero? Now, I took a crack. I had a real go at this, and I'm hoping that I might have got a number of your heroes. So if I've got one of your heroes in, uh, in, the, in the collage there, put up your hand if I've got one of your heroes. I hope I can get at least a third, maybe half. I see a couple of hands. Don't put your hand up to make me feel good. Just put it up if, it's, if, if, if I'm there. Oh, maybe a quarter. Maybe I did a quarter. I'm not sure. Uh, when, uh, when the book of Hebrews was written, there was a hero for many of the Jewish people. And that hero was Moses. Uh, Moses was the great leader of the Israelites who delivered them out of Egypt after 400 years in, slave, in slavery. So Moses was revered. Moses was looked up to. Everybody loved Moses. Now, what I want to know is, could you ever change your hero? Have you ever changed your hero? Is there anything a hero could do to fall off a pedestal? Now, you'd see in the middle there, the bloke with the finger, Sir Joby Occupedison. Put up your hand if you know who Sir Joby Occupedison is. Okay, for those of you that have recently come to Australia, you need to research this man. He was a great man. Well, yes, he was a great man. The dam at Emerald is because of Sir Joby Occupedison, actually. He was a Premier uh, of Queensland when the last dam was built in this state, which is that one uh, out there. Now, my grandma and grandpa, they were staunch fans of Sir Joby Occupedison, and not everyone was, but they loved Sir Joby Occupedison. Now, at one stage, Sir Joe decided he was going to go for PM, so they got this sticker, and my, my grandparents were not, you know, sticker-type people, okay? They were not sticker-type people that have the car or the ute plastered with stickers. But anyway, they got this sticker, and it said, Joe for PM, and Joe for PM made the kitchen cupboard, Okay? There was a problem. So Joe was wrapped in a bit of controversy a few years later and my uh, grandma must have decided she didn't like Sir Joe anymore. So she decided to pull the sticker off. And you know when you do a really bad job of pulling a sticker off and the sticker's so, so good that three-quarters of, of it stays there? That was one of them. So Joe for PM kind of lived forever in my grandparents' house. What would it take for you to change your hero? Now, when, they, when they, the, the writer, or this is originally read out in Hebrews, when they get to chapter 3, the writer's telling these people, you don't need to dump Moses as your hero. Moses was a leader and a deliverer. But you've got to make sure that Jesus is above Moses. Have a look at the next one. Because this Jesus, in Hebrews, in chapter 1 of Hebrews, we're clearly told that Jesus is God. We're clearly told that Jesus is the creator. We're clearly told that Jesus paid the price for sins and that he was better than angels. In chapter 2, we're shown that the humanity had failed in their job description dismally, but Jesus hasn't. Jesus was the perfect human, but as well as being the perfect human, he was the perfect divine saviour as well. Then at the beginning of chapter 3, we're told that he was an apostle, 
that he was a high priest, the one that would offer the sacrifice that would actually work. And then we get to this comparison of Moses. And if you've got your Bible there, open it up. Um, In verse 2 it says this, He was faithful to the one who appointed him. Speaking of Jesus, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. So Jesus was faithful to God the Father, but Moses was faithful in his role. A smaller role than, than Jesus had, but nevertheless, he was faithful. And then keeping reading on from there, Jesus has been found um, to have been of greater honour than Moses. Sorry, I, I missed uh, um, Jesus. Jesus has been found um, worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as a builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. See, Moses was part of this house, this movement that God was building, but Jesus actually was the builder. And then we're told um, in verse 5 that Moses was a servant. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what, had been, what, would, to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. So Moses was faithful as a servant. Jesus was faithful as a, as a son over the house. So if Moses was your hero... That's fine, but make sure Jesus is over the top of him because Jesus is better than Moses. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I probably would not say this in a city church for fear that most people would work out, and I tell you with absolute sincerity, okay, and my motives were pure. At one point in time when I was going out with my wife-to-be, I made the amazing statement to her, and I actually meant it. I said to her, I said, Lisa... I think you'll make a good cow. Now, that was a compliment. And I meant it as a compliment. I'm not sure she received it as a compliment. And I know my mother-in-law has never received it as a compliment. But it was the truth. I thought she would make a good cow. Now, there was actually, there's actually a little bit of biblical precedent from that. But maybe what I should have said is, I think one day you would make a good house. Now, would you rather be a cow or a house? Because we come here and we're actually compared to a house. Because he's just running with the building theme. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And then it says, and we are his house. If we hold on to the courage and the hope of which we boast. So this, this thing that God was building, this movement of people, it was, it was likened to a house. I think that's an analogy, but I failed English, so I'll, I'll, I'll be careful of uh, using, it, using the wrong words there. Um, we're compared to a house. God is building this house and like a vine, God is building a vine and we can be grafted in, we can become part of God's house, we can join God's family. Now I've got a question for you. Well I thought I had a question for you, whoops, Ah. well that didn't work. Anyway, it was meant to be a black screen with a question written on it and this was the question, it's a riddle, well it's not really a riddle, it's just kind of don't know what is close but never arrives i've no idea why that hasn't come up there because it's meant to meant to be what is close but never arrives no one's got it thank you thank you very much tomorrow tomorrow never arrives now the roman catholic church are big on confession and confession is actually something that we should do as Christians, we should confess our sins. So we're going to play, this is probably to the husbands, doesn't matter, the next one will come up. 
Well, prob- probably just for the husbands, but everyone can join in. Put up your hand if you have ever said these words. Yes, dear. Tomorrow, I'll take the rubbish to the tip. Okay, who's ever said this? Of course, darling, I'll finish cleaning my desk tomorrow. And another one? Totally, sweetie, I'll check the oil tomorrow. That's an absolute lie. I never check the oil, okay? I wait for my father-in-law to come to check the oil. See, the thing is about tomorrow, tomorrow never comes. We put so much effort and stock into what we will do tomorrow, but tomorrow... It never, ever comes. Now, I, Lisa didn't know what I was preaching on here, and I asked her the other day, and I said, Darling, have I ever said something that I'll do tomorrow that I haven't done? And she said, yeah, but there's too many to mention. How many of us are guilty of playing the tomorrow game? Tomorrow I'll do this, tomorrow I'll do that. But the only thing that we have is today. All we are given is today. Now... When I, um, when I was 21, I decided I need to read through the Bible in a year. Now, I wasn't a great reader, so I'm, a very, I'm quite a slow reader. So that was a really big undertaking uh, for me. And I kind of got lost in the Old Testament. I, I think I was a little bit like Joe Biden at a press conference. It's like, what is going on? I don't really understand it. And especially with regard to the sacrificial system. What, what's happening with the sacrificial system? How does, how does what they, you know, you read in Leviticus and you think, what has that got to do with me now? How does it fit together? I, I don't understand. But it wasn't until I got to the book of Hebrews that I went, oh, I get it. That sacrifice was not the real deal. The real deal was the sacrifice of Jesus. So the book of Hebrews is really special to me in terms of what it tells us about the Old Testament. The book of Hebrews is really special about what it tells us about Jesus, how the things that he is better. But there's something else in the book of Hebrews as well. And that's these things called warning passages. There's meant to be printed on the left as well. It must be something to do with the, the colour of my font. Anyway, what it's meant to say on the left there is this, warning passages. The point of a warning sign is to keep you on the road, not to say that you're going to fall off the cliff. So when you are warned about something, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. When you, you, know, when you see a, you know, a, a sharp turn, doesn't mean you're going to go off the edge. A steep descent doesn't mean you're going to fall down. The point of a warning sign is to keep us where we need to be. But Hebrews, in quite strong language sometimes, it has a number of these warning signs. And they can be like a nice reminder or they can be like a mammoth kick in the pants that we need, depending on where we're at with our walk in the Lord. Now, the second part of chapter 3 is one of these warning passages. And it says this, and there's a word that's repeated three times, and I actually think it's quite significant, and that word is today. If all we have is today, the question is, what will we do with today? Now, if you want to have a, have a look, follow these three. Follow these three through. The first today, have a look uh, in verse 7. Um, so as the Holy Spirit says, that literally is as the Holy Spirit is saying. So this isn't just something written back then for them. This is something for us. As the Holy Spirit is saying, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. 
during the time of testing in the desert, when your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years I saw what they did. That is why I was angry with that generation, and I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they, and they have not known my way, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Today, we must listen to God. Today, we must not have a hard heart. It's a little history lesson, isn't it, about the Israelites. They're in Egypt as slaves for 400 years. Through miraculous power, God delivers them out of Egypt. And what do they do? Just the other side, they get over the other side. They have a sook. They don't like the food on offer and they have a sook. But let's not just point at the Israelites who's ever complained that their toast was a little bit burnt. Like this is three and a half thousand years ago having a sook. But I reckon it's more common today than it ever was then. They had a sook. What did they do after they'd gone around and God got them to the promised land and he said, I'm going to deliver this land to you. What did they do? Oh, they're too big. They had a sook. Like a kid about to play in the under-14s and he says, oh, the bloke out there, he's got a beard, he's got to be 18. They had a sook. They had a sook. They sat down and they had a sook. So what does God say? God kicks them in the pants and says, you're not getting into this promised land. It's actually very serious and I think it should be a big rebuke to us in how we treat God's provision and God's goodness to us. So today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. So listen to God. And then the second today, uh, have a look, it's in verse 13, but from verse 12. See to it, my brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. What does an unbelieving heart do? What does a sinful heart do? They turn away from God. They walk the other way from God. But encourage one another as long as it is called today. So if today is the day, which is the only day we have, Keep listening, keep believing, keep encouraging others in their walk. That's what he's telling us to do. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In verse 8, it talked about the hardening of the heart. Here again, it talks about the hardening of the heart and the result of sin and what it does. It's a hard word. This is a kick in the pants, but sometimes kicks in the pants are exactly what we need. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. That's the second today. Keep going. And then the third today, it's kind of like a today sandwich because it's just repeating the first one again. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. If you hear his voice, listen. Listen to what God is saying. Don't make your heart go hard, but your heart be soft. Um, I'm not getting into uh, the referendum except to, to say this. One of the things that Jacinta Price said to Albanese was, there's plenty of voices, you're just not listening. When, there is, when God speaks, what response should we have? In Hebrews chapter 1, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at very, many times in many ways. God has spoken. If God has spoken, we should listen. Now, 
It's interesting that it says here, this is talking to people who hear God's voice. Today, if you hear his voice, and then again, today, if you hear his voice. Have you ever met anyone who says they will believe if? I will believe if God appears to me. What's the answer to that? God already has appeared. I'll believe in God if he ends all suffering. Well, he took all suffering upon himself and he will end all suffering. All the answers that people want are already there. Now, I'm not saying that God can talk to people if he wants, right? He can do what he wants because he's God. But we're told in Hebrews that in in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. God's ultimate revelation is always through Jesus. And that's why Hebrews always points us back to Jesus. So if you're sitting here wondering about, have I heard God's voice? Look into Jesus, because that is where we see so clearly God's voice. If God has spoken, we need to just listen. The, uh, the book of Hebrews is about perseverance. It's not about a sprint, it's about a marathon. Listen in verse 1. Therefore, my holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, we're called to be part of God's family in heaven. And then again in verse 6, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house and we are are his house if we hold on to uh, our courage and the hope of which we boast. If we hang on, we are in part of God's family. And then finally, uh, in verse 14, Um, See to it that none of you, as long as it is called today, sorry, we have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. God has spoken and we must listen. His ultimate revelation is in Jesus. And it's because that Jesus hung there, that he hung in there, that we can hang on let's pray our heavenly father we thank you for your kindness to us in revealing yourself to us we thank you for your kindness in paying the price for our sins please help us to be people that listen to your word that listen to your voice please help us to be people that don't grumble or don't take for granted the good and great things that you have given us Please help us to hang in and to persevere because of what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.